The views and opinions expressed by guests on the TWBC podcast are solely those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the views of nor constitute an endorsement by the host, TWBC, or the advertisers. National Championships, Confederation Championships, World Championships, Major Professional Events. For over three decades, he has been there for many of the sport's greatest moments. And now he brings you even closer to the movers and shakers in the world of high echelon tournament water skiing. From the founder and creator of the Water Ski Broadcasting Company comes the TWBC Podcast. And now here's your host, Tony Lightfoot. Well, greetings, everyone. I am the aforementioned Tony Lightfoot uh, here on the TWBC uh, Podcast, and we have an extraordinarily special episode here at uh, the King of Darkness because I am joined here up in the in the crow's nest by the one, the only, the tournament organizer himself, Mr. Steve Garcia. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Not too bad. Not too bad. So, uh, man, uh, if I could quote Harry Truman, uh, so far as the organizer of this event is, is concerned, with you, the buck stops here. You're the guy, you're the person that they go to so far as getting answers to stuff like that. I mean, t- tell us a little about the pressures that that kind of entails and what's involved. Well, it, this doesn't really a pressure thing. It's kind of a labor of love, and I, and I don't know, but like everything else, there's somebody always behind the apparent <laughs> buck stops here, and that's my wife, Dana. She actually is pretty much the motor that moves everything, and she just tells me where to go. So I don't know that I feel pressure. I'm kind of used to it. My wife is a absolute perfectionist, so she doesn't sleep very much for a while. All right then. So I mean, you've been involved in events like this, uh, not 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 strictly from the the person who's primarily organised the event, but you've gone to other events, you've helped out, you know, you've steered people in the right direction. Any anything from. You know, from being a dock starter to you know organizing drinks and what have you for for other people, and you did say it's a la- it's it, it's a labor of love. But I mean, kind of give us an idea of how you got into the sport and 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 how and why you got involved in the way that you have. Well, I got into the sport because I uh, was a rugby player, and I thought I could play rugby for a couple more years, but apparently I wasn't good enough, so I got fired. And I then learned about water skiing from Mike Siderhoud and met my wife, uh, water skiing, had the kids, and uh, neither one of them really wanted anything to do with the water. And then all of a sudden, one day they woke up and said, boom, and then they both wanted to be good. And if we really want top-level coaching, it's available in Florida. So we moved to Florida, and uh, away we went. That must have been a major upheaval for uh, moving from the Golden State all the way through to the Sunshine State. I mean, not only did that involve you know like moving your family, but moving your entire business affairs, didn't it? Well, the good news about it was that I wasn't involved in the decision. Um, my two kids and my wife decided, then came out and told me we'd moved. Oh. <laughs> Okay, so I mean, I, I mean that that almost sounds like like a like a little bit of a shock. You come home, you dis- you, you look around and say, "Oh, no one's home." <laughs> it's about what it was like. To tell you the truth, it was a uh, it was very strange. Uh, Casey Momer was on the West Coast, flying back from Mammoth, California, where we all live, snow skiing. I called him. He got off the the plane, and I said, "Well, I guess I moved to Florida. Can you go pick up my boat and drive it, please?" And he did. Wow, well, that's, that, that, that must be a story and a half, you know. So, 
Uh, obviously, you have two kids that are involved heavily in the sport, Taylor Garcia and, and Ali Garcia. You must be extremely proud of their accomplishments and the, and, and the hopes that you have for them in the future. We're really proud of both of them. And they come from such different places. You know, Taylor kind of he came on the scene a while ago, and it's been a long time he's been on the scene and, and, and done fairly well. And so he kind of grew up with it. It was his deal. Ali... Uh, about five years ago or something like that. I think she was rated 48th in juniors. She walked in our bedroom and said, I'm going to qualify for the junior worlds. And she then just became passionate and driven and um, just amazing. And she qualified for that junior world. She podiumed at the next junior worlds. And I think she's 12th in the world in open elite right now. She uh, just, they came in at far different ways. And they're both so gratifying to watch them both have the passion and the commitment and the love of the sport and do so well. Uh, let's talk about the sport because in in years in years past uh, you, you've certainly uh, made uh, made made quite made quite a bit about how the sport is organised and uh, what it what its goals are in the, in in the future. I mean, uh, I mean comments that you've made you know have been have been to a lot of people quite incendiary, but to but to a lot of other people they were they were just the catalyst needed. To really put the sport on a on on a proper path, uh, can you can you speak towards that, please? Yeah, I, I think this is uh, trying to think of the polite phrase. Lower than rookie league. Uh, this is mismanaged at its upper echelon, in my judgment. It is unprofessional, and you see it flow down. Uh, frankly, things that are saving the sport are parents. You guys are a perfect example of something that's not involved in the. Uh, hierarchy as it were and, and, and the bureaucracy of the sport and frankly you bring more value to the sports being presented out to the public than, than the movers and shakers so I just think it needs an overheaval entirely I don't know the purpose of IWWF I don't see the benefit of IWWF uh, I think they're a hindrance frankly I think it would be much better if some professionals took over and ran this in a professional manner there's no way that running a marathon can be on TV on NBC for an hour and water skiing can't. It makes zero sense. It's just not being packaged properly. And I, I think that's kind of one of the things we're, we do here with the King of Darkness. It's packaged tightly. You know, it's quick. It's fast. We never let anything stop. And, and it's not that hard. I mean, I'm not an event organizer. I'm just a dumb lawyer. If I can do it, come on, they can do it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, when you started with that response, the the the, uh, the organization that came to mind was IMG because, like, the 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 world governing body for tennis doesn't isn't directly involved in its professional level management. It goes to somewhere like IMG that promotes the professional level tennis, and the reason why that tennis is so highly regarded in the world of professional sports isn't because of an amateur organization it's for through professional management so my best friend as a child was one of the founders of the avp the association of volleyball professionals which in the late 80s and early 90s was on nbc saturday and sunday they were pulling in 100 grand a weekend they were all getting rich playing volleyball and they ran it themselves until they couldn't and then they realized as a professional body they weren't qualified and they went and got Leonard D'Amato, Leonard D'Amato, who was from IMG. Yes. <laughs> so he took over and took it to heights where these guys were making money. And so they went from a backyard sport, just like ours, where they played it on the beach, the finals of a tournament, they'd pull up cars and put lights, uh -huh. to now they're playing stadiums. They're an Olympic sport. They're all making huge money. 
and they deserve it. They're great athletes. So in your mind, events like this should really be handed over to, prof to professional management rather, rather than the hierarchy of the IWWF. I, I, I hate to ask for a repeat response to that, but just basically straight, you know, brass tacks. Professional water skiing should be managed by a professional organization as opposed to an amateur world body. Not just an amateur world body, but a, a world body that acts as amateurs. Um, you know, they are self-serving. They are geographically advancing instead of the sport advancing. They worry about this country or that country, and they don't look at the whole. And it really is, it, it is, to me, just horribly sad. Because when I see, you know, I'm sitting, you were sitting with me under the tent. Oh, yeah. I don't know how many nationalities we're watching there. And we're watching generations of people. All of us are working together. We're all picking up chairs. The athletes are picking up chairs. Everybody on the ground level in this sport are the most beautiful, wonderful family people I've ever seen in my entire life, which is why we stay. And if you harvest that with professionals who aren't being colloquial and trying to advance themselves because they're powerful in a non-existent sport, then you have a sellable commodity. I mean, I'm telling you right now, you watch a guy run 41. Don't watch 50, but you watch a properly packaged 39, 41, girls 39 into 41. These are remarkable athletes. The trick event, which frankly... I had no use for it for years because it wasn't something my kids were passionate about, mm -hmm. so I didn't grow up in it. When I, I walked down out of my hotel room at Masters solely for the purpose of watching the trick event. That's how advanced and entertaining it is now, how, how remarkably talented they are. That is a sellable commodity. And then you add jump, you got just enough danger, and God, we all hope nobody goes out the front, but of let's course. face it, it's like a hockey game. We're waiting for the fight. Yeah, so exactly. Th these are sellable commodities. You know, We had that thing in uh, Lake Eola. Uh, eight or nine years ago soaked soaked we charged 15 bucks to get in we had 8,000 people pay wow. 15 bucks to get in fueled by a local college band and then they love the sport you know here we fuel it king of darkness a little differently we fuel it towards children you know, we try to make rides for the kids and ice cream and things like that and so that the parents come with it's just not that hard i mean this i'm not an event organizer mike morgan and i who did soaked you know mike's a doctor yeah. Neither one of us know what the heck we're doing. And we you know, pulled it off, and it was wonderful. And, and others can and do try to do it, and the passion is there but for so many other people like me. I mean, I'm not a party of one. Mm -hmm. there, there are people all over the world. R Ricardo Botas is one. I, I, this comes to mind, Spain. You know, Matteo Luzeri at uh, Italy. You know, I went to that. I was fortunate enough to go to the, his tournament three or four years ago. They give their heart and soul, and it's, just, it's an epic event. But unfortunately, we can't package it because... They don't help us set the platform. And I know you're going there to do the event, and I'm sure it's going to be great because it is a great event. And Mateo does a top-notch job. The kids feel like professionals. They feel like they're special. And it's, there's a lot. Yeah, and it's not, and it's not, not, ju not just a case of packaging an event to, to, to sponsors and entities that we already know. I mean, like, like some Mastercraft and Malibu and all of that, because they know what they're getting. It's being able to appeal to the outside corporate entities to get them involved because it helps exposure with the sport in that in that direction you you would agree well, yes i wouldn't you know with all due respect to masters the most prestigious event in the world is moomba <laughs> period ah there's three hundred thousand people on the shore there are people at night you can't move for a mile either direction when the finals are going on and there's a guy that runs it. His name's Darren Robertson. And yeah, I know him. Darren's a contractor. 
I don't even know if Darren can ski. I don't know if Darren has ever skied. Hmm. Darren is a contractor with a huge passion about the people involved. And Darren gets DeWalt, uh, clothing companies, construction companies. He brings all these non-endemic sponsors in, gets just enough out of them, and then gives them bang for their buck because it's such a huge event. And Darren Robinson and Wayne Bryan put on the biggest, strongest, and in my opinion, most prestigious tournament of the year, and that's Moomba. All right, then. So you've been to a number of these events. You've been to Moomba. You've been to the Masters. You've been to Lord knows how many how many events. You also mentioned San Gervasio. And, I mean, aside from the whole aspect of tournament sponsorship and bringing all that stuff, I mean, from a personal enjoyment experience, you know, what, is, what has been the one event that stood out for you for, you know, where, where you can recall something, you know, out of the ordinary? You know, for it, from a personal perspective, yes. I think my greatest joy in water skiing was um, my daughter getting on the podium of the Junior World. Oh, wow. It was just such a, oh, man, it was just such a long view that she had that none of us had. And for her to do that, and it was such a dream, That I think for personally gratifying moment in water skiing, that was it. What I find gratifying on a macro level is we travel to Australia every year. My wife is the scorer. I'm usually one of the tournament directors. And you work with a group of people who travel from all around the world, volunteer their time, and I gotta tell you, they are a team. It is all about making it the best experience for the kids. And to me, every year when I go there, I get jacked up about the sport. Every year I go to Momba, I come home just thinking, all right, I gotta do this, I can do that. It's just, they're wonderful. It, it, to me, that's, that's the mover. Okay, so uh, we're getting ready for King of Darkness uh, right here at your site, Han uh, Isles of Hate, uh, Isles of Lake Hancock. And, yeah, kind of stumbling over my words there a little bit. But uh, I mean, where do you see this tournament in four, or five years' time? What would you say? So this started. We didn't. We haven't done it for three years. It started uh, just kind of as a lark, and then I wanted to show Mastercraft that I could get 10,000 people to come. And I did, three years ago. We yeah. had 10,000 people here. This year we're smaller because we're COVID. It's a smaller deal. What I would like to do, and, I, and, and Mike McQuarrum, Mike Morgan and I and others are trying and working hard. Um, we're hoping to communicate with Mastercraft. Our goal is to make a tournament. We're looking Lake Tahoe right now. And uh, we're hoping that it'll be 150,000 bucks, $25,000 per event, all three events, all disciplines, all men, all women, televised on ESPN. So I don't know whether you're going to call it King of Darkness, or you're going to call it something else. That's the goal. The goal is to get us back on ESPN or some other like uh, agency. I frankly think that you guys at the, the Water Ski Broadcasting uh, Group um, yeah. give us the opportunity to do that because it is financially doable to buy time on ESPN. What's not financially doable for people like us who don't know what the heck we're doing is to have a production. Well, now you guys and your group has created this highly professional production, knowledgeable in water skiing. I think we have a platform we haven't had and an opportunity we haven't had in a lot of years because of you guys. I really think you've lifted the game. Now, I think maybe those of us that, that uh, are on our way out, you know, we're a little older, we've been blessed and have a few extra dollars. Maybe we pump it up once or twice. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's not called King of Darkness, but I, I firmly believe that next summer there will be at least one, maybe three hundred fifty thousand dollars events. 
and that kind of tournament would definitely put it in the high star event on the water ski on the water ski pro tour now speaking about that uh, pro tour that's just been recently instituted uh, by by a, by a select group of organizers and stakeholders do you do you believe that that is the right platform growing going forwards in terms of raising exposure for the sport somewhat yes and somewhat no um i, I believe that the energy and effort from that group and the, the wonderful work they put into it, it is a platform and, and that allows us to create something that's going to grow because the elite program was kind of getting stale. I think letting IWWF run it, we might as well just throw them at the elite. I think anything that involves them as the governing body of that is a death knell because they will politicize it, they will self-politicize it, and they'll take away the whole goal. Um, you know, I, I, one, of the, one of your good friends, Freddie Winter, spoke to me a lot this winter, <laughs> no pun intended, yeah, um, about it because he knew I had a few problems with it. And he was good enough to listen to me and talk to me and, and didn't agree, but didn't matter. He listened to me. And there's the difference. Yeah. No one from IWF is going to listen to me. Freddie did, and the group did. They listening to you now through this. Yeah, maybe. And, you know, Vince and I sat down, and we had a disagreement, and, and we had a, what a positive disagreement. We sat out ULL at the, at the lake there for an hour Vince and I and shot the breeze and and I actually think we reached a consensus so I think it's the right platform I think letting IWWF own 49% or 51% is a death knell and I think it'll end up unfortunately the same slow stranglehold they put on everything else um, so I would have liked to have seen the group of skiers that did it that started it keep it excellent so all right, then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll bring this uh, podcast to a close. Any closing comments uh, you have for the good folks out there listening in? Well, thanks for listening. I want to, Tony, you and your group, I want to uh, just tell you how much we appreciate it. I, I made a comment to my wife last night. I go, how much are we paying these guys? And she told me, I go, so what do they do? They work for like 50 cents an hour. You guys have been up here from dawn till dusk since Monday. It's, it's Friday afternoon. And I really think you're a game changer. I think this, this program, I think the programming you have, I think the way you do it, you're a game changer, and I hope we're all smart to grab it on. Why, thank you very much, and thank you very much uh, for, for saying so. Okay, and that, uh, that, ladies and gentlemen, was Steve Garcia. Thank you very much for participating. And uh, this is Tony Lightfoot. Uh, this is uh, the latest episode of the TWBC podcast. Until next time, I'm going to say ciao for now. All right. Be sure to check out our website at waterskibroadcasting.com. Links to our presence on major social media platforms can be found there, as well as updates to our webcast and this podcast. Duplication or rebroadcasting of this broadcast without written consent of TWBC is prohibited. Subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform and be sure to join us next time for the next edition of the TWBC Podcast.